wondering also about what brings you sustained joy and interest and ease? And where in your life are you aware of touching the ultimate dimension? I have a question. Go ahead. Um, I think the thing that I got caught by was what brings this joy, whatever it was you said. And, and I feel like um, I am not so comfortable looking for what brings me joy. I feel like that's a little bit of a setup hmm. um, to look for joy. That feels very gaining to me. Um, I am often trying to remind myself that I am satisfied. What was the last thing you said? That I, I often try to remind to, to remind myself or to 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 just be satisfied, satisfied. as opposed to look for the joy. You know, it, I've had a very difficult year and few years, and it feels like a setup to look for joy. It it doesn't feel like that. That's a practice that has helped me get through the last few years. Mm. So um, I just I guess I'm curious. Um, how do we talk about what's going to get us joy, and how is that not leading towards gaining mind? Mm. Hmm. Well, the first thing that comes to me is that satisfied is good. Satisfied is good. Satisfied is, uh, if that is the word that works for you. Um, joy has been the word that has been working with me, I think, for a number of years because it was not something I ever imagined that I could have actually. And someone said to me when I was she so as a piece of advice beforehand, <clears throat> the most important thing is to enjoy yourself, which was not something I had ever thought of doing. So it, um, and it turned me and it, it was helpful because when I, when I thought about enjoying myself, it, it helped me handle my anxiety about a bunch of things. I'm not sure why. It's, I think it's just an energetic thing and maybe it's just a personal thing. So, it's, it, it, so I think use the word that means something. You know, What pulls you, maybe something, better waves, what pulls you to practice? What motivates you? What gives you fuel for your perseverance and practice? What sustains you? Maybe that's a less more neutral way of framing the question. Karen. When you talk about joy, I'm kind of responding to Dean. Um, I'm not sure that it's the same kind of joy that's pleasure seeking. I, I think it's a more selfless kind of joy. It's a kind of happiness, but it's not a grasping kind of happiness. 
And actually, I like what Dean said, though. You used the word satisfy. I, I, I like the word contentment. But mm -hmm. there also is, I think, a natural joyfulness that's um, just not what we usually think of as having what we want, um, looking a particular way, you know, doesn't mean that you're smiling necessarily. Um, so that's all I'll say. Susan. Yeah, thanks. Just to tag on to that. Um, you know, I think culturally we think of joy, we kind of think of joy as a synonym to happiness, but um, I think of them as being pretty different in that happiness is more connected to gaining idea something I do that'll make me happy or something I do that'll make me unhappy. And Sojin always said that joy was something that's always there, no matter what situation we're in. So I, I think, Dean, that he did use the words contentment and satisfaction with one's circumstance, despite whatever's going on. And that that's pretty different than happiness. Dan. In the discussion, I focused more on the ease part than the joy mm -hmm. part. Because that makes sense to me that you're able to be in a state where you're not continually struggling with yourself, mm -hmm. not struggling with the, with the situation. So there's ease. And... For me, just if I'm in a situation where I'm feeling easy and connected and there's a kind of joy that just comes from that, but it's more of a contentment, satisfactory kind of, but, but ease made it more accessible for me thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Leslie. Well, I was just going to say the same thing. I was thinking of ease. It seems like, um, that the just the it's kind of a relaxed joy in a way i mean it's it's um it's aware and current and and paying attention but there's no difficulty or there's it can be difficulty but it's just you're you're moving right along and it's just a sense of well-being and um contentment's a good word too but it is an active word uh, also. So that's what I was thinking. So um, I'm listening to all of you talk about that. It was kind of a revolutionary concept to me to think, to connect joy with Zazim, but I'm thinking, no one is is talking about the sixth day of a seven day session. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you do hit that. You do hit that place, but sometimes it's just identifying with a whole lot of pain. Um, 
I think one thing that for me, when we got in our groups that uh, I actually wanted to start with the flip side that you ask us to talk about, and that is, um, you know, the gaining idea. And as much as, as I've known from the beginning that that is not what's in practice is about, that we sit, it, there's, it's an end in itself. And um, as much as I've always known that intellectually, the fact that uh, when I'm sitting every day, um, my life just seems to work so much better that during the times when there was a break in sitting and it was like, I feel completely scattered in, you know, all of, all of these things that are not the way I want to feel, not whole and integrated. I'm going to go back to sitting every day because I know that I'm going to experience that. So it's hard to, um, you know, it's hard to stay with, with the no, the idea of, of no gaining um, when I've experienced the gains of practice. People are in my office. I'm going to mute now. Uh, Sue, are you raising your hand? Um, and you? I don't know how to use my digital hands, <laughs> but okay. um, um, what I think is that sitting, um, it, it changes your focus. So from from looking at a situation from yourself to kind of subtly looking as if you were part of the whole situation and that that allows the relaxation and the ease. Yeah, that, that is um, what I got from Dale Wright's discussion in which he said there, there is something that brings us to practice. It's a way-seeking mind and the way-seeking mind is motivated for something, right? It's drawn to something. And when once there, then there is something else that happens, something expansive, Yeah. right? Laurie? Oh, it's interesting. just really interesting to hear people's perspectives. I One thing I like about the word joy, I understand um, some of the other side too, but it's it's a very, for me, it's a very physical word. And um, 
I like, for me, practice is so much about staying, you know, returning to my body, finding my body. And it's through, you know, finding inter interconnectedness and ease through my body and, um, and joy, you know, so when those, th you know, I think it's almost, they're all different words, but it's almost like for me that in my body, it's almost the same experience um, of feeling connected in a way that somehow isn't scary and is relaxing and also feels good. So it just feels good, you know? Um, and uh, so that's where I, that's the part I resonate about the word joy because it's, it's an embodied kind of, an embodied kind of experience. And for me, the effort of practice is to, to somehow connect with something that's always there. So it doesn't feel like an effort to change my situation. You know, I feel like somehow the effort to change your situation is like the one that doesn't work so well, but it doesn't feel like it's an effort to change my situation so much as just return and come back to it, you know, come back to what's already there. I just wanted to add because what Lori just said with the return and this is uh, Rosh Hashanah and that we're in the days of awe and this is about the return to self and the return to each moment you know the return to the present that it's all the gift of life this is in the moment and for myself when I connect to the every everything in the cosmos in the moment and I feel joy even I feel the static joy so but on the other hand I understand Dean feels because um I don't know if it's just being a Jew but I was I was not raised with the idea of, of seeking joy seeking happiness you know it was um do good do well it wasn't I mean and even in Berkeley, you know, in the height of drug, sex, and rock and roll and hedonism, it, it wasn't um, to seek happiness. Anyway, but I do feel that deep joy and connection to life, to what is beyond form. Thank you. I do appreciate, um, Lori, you're bringing it back to a body practice because there is a way in which what we experience in our body, we then attach a word to, and we might all attach a different word to it. You know, it's it, the, the word. It's the words are not the feeling, 
and not the experience, right? And there's something about um, the word energy that resonates for me with this right sort of right energy, if you will, that it's it's how we manifest and direct our life force and moderate and um, that um, story that is that Thich Nhat Hanh refers to that of the Buddha um, advising his student about how how he tunes his instrument so that the, the the string is not too loose and not too tight that there's a kind of moderation or a way of managing one's energy that is just right if you will just in the zone I don't know what words to use but I do think it's beyond words and that um, it's a it's a body practice and a an experience practice. Carol? Yeah, you know how we talk about this being a body-to-body -body practice? And, and for a long time, those were just words to me. But I, and, and kind of mysterious. Sitting in the Zendo, let's say with bodies, other bodies, it, you know, it didn't, it didn't necessarily strike a chord. I would say, yes, this is a body to body practice. But I think the longer I'm in practice, and it is, it is mysterious. Um, the body-to-body -body connection, and we don't really talk that much. Think about our practice. When we're in the Zendo, we don't talk much. When we're in Sashin, we don't talk much. So it's very much a practice just being together with, our, with each other's bodies. And um, there's such joy in that because uh, it's energizing. You know, comparing sitting at home, alone, sitting in the zendo with others. Don't know how it works. It just is energy, energizing. It's a, it's 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 um it's a mystery in many ways. But you know, it's like going to a party. You feel that energy, or another thing, you feel. When there's not good energy, people may be at distress, you can feel it, you can pick that up. So it's, it's just making more and more sense to me about this being a body to body practice. And it's, it's just, it's, uh, it's the crux of it, as you could say. Thank you. Uh, Jim. So when, when we split off in, into our, our small group, the first thing that came up for me is, is I kind of tossed your question and apologies. And, and the reason I did is, um, and I don't want to get lost in semantics. That's, that's, ugh. but, but 
the idea of joy and ease felt like gaining ideas for me that if I behave right, if I do something correctly, I'll have joy and ease. And so in working with it in that way, what, what made more sense to me is that um, because practice, there is a spacious awareness available where the rhythm of my life kind of acts itself out. I mean, in Zazen, we're, we're sitting and effort in Zazen can be talked about as holding this awareness, holding this space, um, holding mind open, not attaching to thoughts, that kind of effort. And when we drift away, as we always do, the rhythm is that we return to breath, we return to posture, we return to, to that spaciousness. And it's the same thing in life. I have a situation at work where I'm really angry with somebody who has a lot of power and I have to be very careful. Um, and, 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 and somebody else in our group used the word harmonizing, which I liked very much. If I return to breath and if I return to the awareness that arises from practice, then I act from a different space and I act from a different vision and I act from a different sight. Maybe joy arises and maybe it doesn't. Because the other side of this is what, what's, what's the nature of my acceptance? Is, is there this kind of calm water? Is there this, this calm mind that can accept the perturbations of what my life brings me and work with that? You know, my, my experience of practice when, when I'm kind of in the zone is I walk out of the zendo and everything is so crisp and clear. The leaves on the trees are sharp. My breath, I'm so aware of each breath that I'm taking. That for me is, is an aspect of, of, of practice. And returning to that space is, is kind of where I'm available to, to, to joy and ease. And sometimes it comes and sometimes it doesn't. And what I want to do in the meantime is just sort of accept. Not sort of accept, to, to accept. And I'm going on a little bit, so I'll, I'll, I'll stop. Joel. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, what uh, Lori said, and then Carol took up on it, uh, brought up something that's been always very striking and very mysterious. Joel, can you get closer to your microphone? How's that? A little better. Better? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, something that has always struck me about my practice is something that I relate to because so much of my practice has been coming up for session. And for years and years, the only opportunity I had to talk to people, to get to know people, like what their names were or what work they did, was for a few hours the day I arrived and a few hours the day I left. And as I continued to practice, I just felt so intimate with all these people. And I didn't know their names. And it was tremendously powerful. Uh, and it, and it, it, what Laurie said, it's a body thing. Our bodies were there. And, you know, I mean, the discursive thing wasn't there so much at all. Words weren't there so much. And we were breathing each other's air in a very 
direct way. Uh, and there was also, I think, uh, an important thing of we were together and we knew that there were probably quite a few people in a lot of pain at session, physical pain, whatever, and we were too sometimes, not all the time by any means, but it was there and there was that somehow that got held by each of us. I can't describe it, but anyway, I mean, the nature, that was always very mysterious, but Laurie's thing and, and Carol's thing about body really had a lot to do, I has a lot to do with that feeling that arose with people practicing together for day after day. And so, thank you. Katie. Thanks. Um, I was struck as I often am by the idea of regulating your life. So kind of back to what Mary was saying about um, not too tight, not too loose. Um, and I think that's something that I rediscover in Zazen pretty much every time uh, that I have a habit of trying to make my brain do what I need it to do during the rest of the day. And it's easy to have that carry over into Zazen. And it's, it's, it's tight and there's not a lot of space for joy or uh, uh, other things. And um, I don't know how, but I hope that I can also take the lesson in the other direction and, you know, how to maintain some level of control over what I'm doing in my life, what I'm doing in the moment, um, and some level of focus while being not too tight. So I just wanted to say that I appreciated that, that aspect of it. I think it has a lot to do with effort and joy, but. Judy. Oh, um, uh, as I was, as I've been listening, uh, what what came to mind uh, was a wonderful piece that Mushim Ikeda uh, wrote a couple of years ago now, I think, uh, which was called, I Vow Not to Burn Out. And so uh, it was talking about, uh, among other things, uh, the interplay of what I think of as wholehearted effort, uh, particularly in the service of uh, societal transformation um, equity, uh, inclusion, uh, belonging type um, justice work. And uh, as an expression of bodhisattva vow, waking up together. And with that, that it's really important to have resiliency practices. Uh, this was something I think that we particularly saw, um, for instance, among first responders and others uh, during uh, the height of the pandemic. 
So uh, when I think of, of, of joy uh, during these times, I think of it uh, centered around resiliency uh, in the service of um, we have a responsibility to uh, to to care for um, joy that includes things like outrage um, as a way of of calling attention to what needs attention, um, need, needs a response. And so uh, for me, part of say Dogen's joyful mind and instructions to the cook is to know how to see that kind of outrage as an expression of, of bearing witness to something that needs attention. And as the cook knows how to work with that ingredient to make a masterful meal that will really nourish all beings. And I feel like that's, that's, that's the joy that, that I feel uh, wholeheartedly committed to as, as effort. And, and of course, that's an effort that we can only um, uh, step into together. So I think that's both a challenge uh, and an opportunity. Andrea, did you want to say something? Thanks, Mary. Well, I was going to take the conversation maybe in a slightly different way, but I was interested if people wanted to respond more to where it was going. I think my question that I've been chewing on is, I don't think the kinds of experiences that Jeff or Joel were talking about would be possible without some kind of effort. And I wonder what people think that effort really is. We, we've said a little bit about what we, we don't want it to be, but what is that effort really? So just curious what people's reaction to that is. Mira. So um, I never quite understood what right effort meant. Um, I thought it meant keeping your back upright and keeping going back to your breath, the efforts we make to practice correctly. But um, Thich Nhat Hanh, I, I did the reading tonight, and he seemed to think that the right effort actually meant what seeds we were watering from our store consciousness, the wholesome seeds that we were bringing them up or the unwholesome seeds that we were um, doing whatever we could to um, not water them and to not make them grow. So that was his description. He had four, four right efforts about the wholesome and unwholesome seeds and preserve the wholesome seeds that you have already. Um, 
and bringing up others. So I thought that was a great description for me of right effort. So that to me is more about um, our mental states and our habits, I guess, yeah. Our behavior, uh, but also our mental states and thoughts and speech. I don't know what other people think of that because nobody talked about that and um, that was the reading from Thich Nhat Hanh. I'm done. Okay, uh, Judy Akudu. Uh, unmute. In, uh, as a response to, to Mira, um, I, I think the opposite. When, when I think of the Eightfold Path and even Right Effort, um, I'm, I'm thinking of how to live my life what I do off the cushion um, when I'm in the world. So, um, because I, I think it's not just about sitting, it's about how we comport ourselves and, and behave in, when we're out in the world and, and living our life. Oh, I totally agree with you. I, I think, I hope you didn't misunderstand me. No, it's throughout your life that you can um, have these behaviors or thoughts or emotions, not, not just on the cushion. Yeah. So does anybody want to take um, make a, an, an effort to address Ryushin's question, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is about what, what is the effort of practice? What, what do we call it? What is it? Is that what you're asking? I guess I'm interested in people's experience. Of, of effort and practice, and uh, especially those who have had some experience of ease and, and joy and freedom. What is that effort that's, that's been a part of that? I'm kind of, since it, it kind of bridges to what we've all been talking about this evening. Joe. Well, um... I, you know, I've been trying to view each of these uh, limbs uh, through the prism of suffering. So uh, what is, how can right view address suffering? How can right thoughts address suffering? So how can right effort address suffering? And um, I know that I've been told that, uh, something else brings us to practice, but usually in our minds, there's some suffering going on. Something, something's not quite right. 
and so we end up here staring at a wall and um and so i think we can learn to develop that there's something positive or something uh, um there is some there is something to uh enjoy um and there's something joyful that leads us to practice but i think initially there's this issue of addressing suffering and so um for me um i really wanted to address not being able or having problems managing stress you know um managing physical pain managing um all the sort of fallout that comes from chronic illness. And um, and so that is, that is what my effort has been towards, is towards suffering. And uh, it's changed since I've started sitting a lot um, to being I try to take care of myself and my body and my mind, but also I try to address this bigger topic of suffering where I think I'm a thing. I think you're a thing. I think this is a separate thing and treating things as separate. And instead of in a right effort to understand everything I encounter and experience as my life, that is all my life. That is all myself. And uh, so those are the ways that um, I feel that I make an effort to, to address suffering, both, both the aches and pains and difficulties of life and this sort of overarching overarching um, suffering of thinking that uh, I have a permanent self or that um, something permanent can be obtained. Um, I hope that somehow responds to Andrea's, Andrea's prompt. I'd like to invite anybody who hasn't spoken to have a word if you wish. And, and also, if anyone has a sort of closing word in a minute or two, we're going to provide our own closing words. But if you have a closing word, that would be fine too. Anina. There you go. So I just want to say that I am deeply moved by having listened to everybody and by this whole experience. Um, and it's bringing me back to sitting, which I've been away from. Mm -hmm. right, thank you. Thank you. So 
I would like to appreciate um, also everyone's effort and energy um, tonight and, and doing the reading and being together and for this very rich conversation and for our practice together, which um, you know, one, in, in response to Ryushin, I would say that a word that has meant a lot to me through thick and thin is actually perseverance. That, that muscle that we develop when our mind wanders and we bring it back and we try to do it without judgment and doing that over and over and over endlessly, that is my sort of base definition of effort. Although I have to say that I also, I'm as long as probably all of you have been graded for effort all of our lives, you know, when we're in school. So there's that trying hard effort that I, that I work to step away from, uh, trying to be something, trying to do something, trying to get something done, as opposed to just returning. I think someone said returning, which was really also kind of in the ballpark for me. Um, Anna? I'm, um, a prayer is welling up, sending out a prayer for all beings to experience right effort. May we and all beings be at ease in the world. May our practice touch boundlessness. And I think at this point with everything that's going on in the world, we also pray for those in danger everywhere. May they be safe. 